Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. Today is Thursday, the 22nd of August, 2019. I'm very happy to have you here. As I'm recording this, it's, uh, I don't know, about 1.30 in the morning, and I am sitting in a plastic Adirondack chair purchased at a local grocery store on the second floor balcony of our apartment. We have a a kind of raised bed back here for plants that has a big lattice with Christmas lights on it that I think is probably the cover image of this episode of the podcast, if you want to see what I'm seeing. It's still gorgeous out and very warm. Lots of bugs. You can probably hear a lot of them, although many of them have gotten quieter since I started talking. (laughs) Sorry, folks. Last night we discovered that there's a skunk who lives in front of our apartment. It often smells like a skunk around where we live. And I had a skunk living in front of my previous apartment, too. This town is really good for skunks. But anyway, we came home and uh, walked around to the front of our apartment because we like going in the front door as opposed to through the basement. And uh, there he or she was out in the front yard just walking around. We said hi, and there's a raised bit of sidewalk where you can get underground below these two squares of the sidewalk that have pushed up against one another. And we've seen many, many chipmunks go under there, but that's where the skunk went too. So I don't know if there's a big multi-species home down there, an underground apartment complex like our above ground one, but it was pretty cool. I wanted to talk today about global, regional, and local, and maybe even, like, micro (laughs) action. For years and years and years, I don't know where it came from, but there's been that, you know, kind of bumper sticker wisdom about think globally, act locally. And I've heard arguments against that kind of thinking as well, that, you know, we should also be acting globally, especially against things like global warming, where the problems are, are so huge. For me, though, I find that the immensity of the problems facing us, you know, as a, a human species or as the biological life on this planet, you know, all, all of it together or as a planet, as a, as a global ecosystem, it's so massive that if I, if I set my sights on tackling that or even being part of a group that is tackling that, I find that it quickly becomes so overwhelming and demoralizing. You know, it's like, let's end racism. I mean, right, yes, let's. But if I try to start at, okay, well, how do I tackle racism? Or, you know, how do I tackle global militarism? Or how do we stop having borders between these artificial nations that we've created, et cetera, et cetera, right? Whatever the thing may be. How do we tackle ableism? How do we tackle the patriarchy? If you think about those things in, as huge concepts, they just become, at least to me, overwhelming. And I find that my, my ability and willingness to think of ways to deal with those situations is sapped, and I end up being kind of inert, inactive, because it just seems too much. 
So a long time ago when I was learning to be an organizer, one of the things that I found very, very useful, and it was very useful for people that I was working with as an organizer as well, you know, folks who were workers in places and I was helping to train them how to organize their workplaces. One thing I found very useful was to, first of all, backwards planning. And I, I've talked about this on the show before. It's, you already do it. You know, if you're going to have a, a birthday party for your kids or you're going to plan a concert, you know, for your punk band and five other punk bands or whatever it might be, if you're going to plan something that is going to occur, then you figure out when it's going to occur and what it will look like. And then you go backwards from there and figure out how to make all those pieces happen. It's, it's not new thinking. But I think we often don't apply it to these enormous problems. So let's put a pin in that for a second. Ooh, there's lots of heat lightning. It's really pretty. The other thing I want to come back to is the idea of localism or even even kind of micro-localism, which is a phrase that I'm sure someone has a better phrase for, but that's what I'm, I'm kind of using right now. What I mean by that is that the... The trick to tackling big problems is to tackle them on a much smaller scale right where you are, and then through your example and through the connections you make with other small communities, neighborhoods, blocks, streets, families, whatever it might be, you begin to spread those ideas outward so that the next small group of people begins to tackle that problem, and then Eventually, we kind of create these networks of small interlinked communities. This is also not new thinking by any stretch of the imagination. So when we look at a problem like global climate change, global warming, the impending catastrophe, the probably already over the tipping point catastrophe, if we're being honest, when we look at a problem like that and try and figure out what to do about it, to me, the only way it seems approachable at all is if I am able to reduce it down to what can be done in my immediate area. And that immediate area is drawn to whatever size I think I can reasonably make connections and have influence on. And then the trick is to network with other immediate areas or other people in different immediate areas and see how that work can be replicated and then over time can become a movement. In the particular problem of global climate change, that problem seems so huge that and so time-critical that although I, and it's not, you know, the fact that I can't think of something doesn't mean it can't be thought of, but th that even though I can't think of how, how on a larger scale we could attack it, I, at the same time, understand that slow movement building might be too slow. I think in the case of that particular problem, what we might be slow movement building toward is what do we do in the post-collapse and how do, we, how do we keep the time after things kind of fall apart? How do we preserve as much knowledge and as much of an agrarian system and how do we save as many lives and so on and so forth as we possibly can in a world that we have irrevocably changed?
so while my <laughs> my take on on global warming, I guess, is a little bit grim, to be totally honest. But I don't think that really changes if if, if we change the focus of the question to how does a post collapse society function then everything I've already said about creating small intentional communities of mutual aid and then hoping, not hoping, but doing the work to network those to other similar communities becomes even more important. Perhaps there is some miracle of a movement or a, an innovation or something that will save us from global climate change, but it seems like it's probably too late. And so we have to deal with things as they are, and if as they are means that our society is going to change pretty drastically, then figuring out how to survive and help others to survive, the people that you can reach out and touch, that just becomes very, very important. But I think, you know, for me, the takeaway from this is... I probably have chosen a a poor problem to illustrate the point I'm trying to make. But for me, the takeaway from this is that by acting locally, you do eventually act globally. But that you can't handle the part of acting globally. You just don't have the reach. You don't have the influence or the power, almost certainly. I mean, you could be listening to this and be a deity we haven't discovered or something, in which case, thanks for listening and leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts. But you probably can't handle it. And so therefore, do what you can actually do. And if enough people do what they can actually do, all of a sudden you make enormous changes. That's it for today's show. You can find this show at its brand new website, abriefchat.com. I know it's the same address, but if you go to that address now, there's a brand new website there where you'll find links to support the show on Patreon. And huge, huge thanks to my friend Tanine in Alberta for becoming uh, the, f the newest member, but also the first international member, which is pretty cool. I love you. A better world is possible.